Welcome back to He Said. She Said. I'm Peter Shorsh. And I'm Michelle Todd Shorsh. It's been a while, but we uh, we wanted to reboot the podcast. Um, I think it's important that everyone knows we're that you're like 99.9% back at your full health, right? Yeah, I'm normal. And largely thanks to everybody's prayers who are listening. I mean, we're really lucky that the Florida political community leaned in so much and helped us. It's even the hospital could not believe how many people in the political process they were hearing from or were sending things or were supporting us at home. And so kind of back in part to thank those folks. Well, the last podcast we recorded was an accounting of those harrowing days. And so, um, and that was, gosh, that was last year. Um, right now I'm trying to get Michelle to agree to a once every two week podcast Maybe some more special editions as we have big <clears throat> interviews like we do today. Because everybody wants to hear how liberal I've become. <laughs> and I know that uh, some of my friends on the Republican side of the aisle probably don't want to hear about all of that every day. And some of our friends and advertisers would uh, <laughs> will probably go running. So I'm going to keep those apart. Well, I think some of our friends should maybe hear a healthy evolution. Like people can evolve in their political belief systems. Speaking of which, uh, we have a very special guest, someone that means a lot to us. Someone that people maybe thought we would have originally launched the podcast with. I know people are surprised we've waited this long to have this guest on. But we're excited to have him here, uh, Congressman and former Governor Charlie Crist. Thank you, Peter and Michelle. It's an honor to be with you. And uh, I'm so excited for you, Michelle, and so pleased about your health. <clears throat> you you scared a lot of us. and. Um, uh, I knew you would come through because of my faith, but well, thank um, you. of course, but uh, at any rate, you, you realize how precious life really is when you go through something like that. And I lost an older sister, Margaret. Uh, she Such had a, a great woman. Uh, superb. Ran one of my campaigns, one of the U.S. Senate one with uh, Senator Rubio. Yes, we worked side by side. Week. Yes, we were. And um, But, you know, she got that brain cancer that <clears throat> John McCain had the same Bo Biden had the same. It's called a geoblastoma. They call it the monster, and it is. But um, she's in a better place, so that's good. But we didn't get her out of that. Um, you came through, and um, I am so grateful to God that you're here. That's really kind of you. You're just like gonna choke me up to start because, you know, Margaret was very important to me. Like she was a. Uh, I learned a lot working with her on your campaign. So did I. I she, know she was a taskmaster. Let me. It like, was excellent. For you a yeah. Bit. She, she was great, um, loved me more than, you know, anybody could imagine, and so protective. She was like that since I was a kid. So I had three sisters. That's why I'm the way I am. I'm the only son. So you get this strong, feminine support system of three sisters and a mother, and it's hard not to turn out fairly decent. You're right about that. And, you know, it's funny. When I first started working for you when you were governor, I got the list of people I needed to reach out to right away, and your parents were on the list, and your sisters, and the instruction I got was, Margaret, she's the head sister, so you need to reach out to her, and she coordinates all family things, and anything that you're doing, you need to make sure she knows about. And so that's kind of how it started, and, and so like I, she has always been super protective of you, and it was uh, very special to get to know her, and I thank you for bringing her into my life, and uh, I wish she was still with us. I think that's one of the reasons why I wanted us to do this podcast is I think we're looking at, you know, a triangle of people here. 
we're all very important to each other in how um even from afar but like origin stories our origin stories stem from from governor christ one way or the other like obviously tell us how you met again that's a great story that is a good story right we uh that is and it's it's 2009 Gosh, I don't remember the year. Was that when? It was 2009, and uh, Judge Tommy uh, Minkoff was getting invested. Um, And uh, as the person on the ground, I said, Governor, can you come down and do the swearing-in? And you came down to do the swearing-in, and and I was staffing you, and there was this guy who kept tapping at me like, hey, hey, I used to work for him. See, I remember, and that's part of the, I always tell these stories. The stories are always differently. Like, I will tell the <laughs> story. They get a little so, better with the telling. Yeah. <laughs> like I, a I fishing have it, like, story. That's Michelle's like, who are you? And I'm just like, <laughs> I, I think I was like, I was you before you were you. You know, kind of trying to be. That's exactly uh, what you said. <laughs> before, well, I had not seen uh, Charlie in a while. I had not seen yeah. Governor Chris in a while. And it had been since my dad had passed. And so he spent some time. I always tell people. In I loved your father. Charlie, yes, thank you very much. And loved he, him. Your he, family's always been good to my dad, and your your mom always remembered him and always asked about him. And again, this is why we're doing this. Is like um, he worked at one of the greatest restaurants in St. Petersburg, yeah. and that's saying a lot. Yeah, because there's a lot of great ones here. And I miss that such restaurant. a gentleman, such a gentleman, and sweet and kind, uh, skinny. Yeah, and now you're skinny. Well, we're getting. God bless you. I, I, I when I, in fact, I, I must have skipped his genes for a little while because it's like he was a he was a slight. He was a bigger man. You know, your father seems bigger, but then you go back and you look and you're like, no, because um, he, he, it's like Al Pacino. You, you would think Al Pacino's huge on screen, the way he's so loud and but he's a small man. And my dad kind of looked like like late stage Al Pacino, and it's like, no, he's actually. That's true. Um, it and it it just you were so kind to me like i had not seen you and there's all these politicians and so you know because charlie always treats everyone like they're important because everyone is it's not just about the elected officials in the room or the donors in the room that was one of the first things i learned working for well governor crest so what's very funny about this now um for you which you so Facebook has this feature called uh, Facebook Memories, where it tracks. It says, it, 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 you know, it goes back in time for that day and says what comes up. Like so, it's like three years ago we were at on a cruise to Disney World. Six years ago we were probably on a cruise to Disney, or we were doing something else. And so we were on a cruise to Disney. Yeah, <laughs> if you go back my to this iPhone day, does that too. Yeah, it's yeah. on your iPhones make are really nice, aren't they? <laughs> yes, yes. If incredible. you go back and you look at some of my Facebook memories from 2009, they're a little creepy. Uh, they're a little like, oh man, I met this hot blonde today, or and I then I would just like leave like cryptic messages, like thinking of the governor staffer today, and and it was just these, and it was for around 2009. There's all these very <laughs> kind of creepy. No, they're they're loving. So, like, long story short, a really good marriage and an amazing child all happened because of Charlie Crist, kind of, yes. in a roundabout way. Coming down to swear in a judge that I had appointed. Exactly. And then on our wedding day, he officiated and you were there. Like, it was a full circle moment because, yes, it was. like, it really did go back to that. Like, if not for that investiture, you may have just been the creepy dude posting about the governor's staffer. That, yeah. Well, friendship matters. 
Yes, it's it does. really important. And you said it at the outset, Peter, that uh, we've known each other a long time. And, you know, there's a bond and a caring, a mutual caring, uh, a mutual affinity and respect. And uh, I, I cherish your friendship. It's wonderful. Really we cherish is. our friendship with with you. It's um, We don't get to see each other as much in person. But I know it's always well, who there. who on the planet has? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But fortunately, I think that's getting behind it. I, I, think, I think also so. it's important, especially for people that are listening <clears throat> to the podcast. I, I said this to Michelle. Uh, I said one thing that I wanted to like talk about or like wanted to like set the table on was there's so many new people to Florida that they don't know who Charlie Crist is. I mean, you'd probably have higher name ID than most people. You're probably near Universal and St. Pete and Tampa Bay. But there just are, there's 3,000 new people every day into Florida, and they're living in Nassau County or Miami or Southwest Florida. They have, and they, ha- they don't know who you are one way or the other. They're probably not interested in politics. They're coming here because of other things. And so... 300,000 new people came here in 2021 alone. It's amazing. So think about And so... And so as I read all this stuff and we're so inside the bubble, it's nobody it knows there's a governor's race going on. Out right. There. <laughs> exactly. I mean, let me just be blunt. And they don't they don't and know. That's OK. Right. And I wanted I wanted a, a, a our I wanted a chance for us. And it is a little bit of, you know, um, you know, going back down memory road. But it's like I wanted some of the people to understand the compassionate decisions that guided you here to this point that you're not just Charlie Crist running for governor, that there is a, a, a much more beautiful road behind you that, um, it's and, been a journey. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, we never, I don't think any single piece of journalism has really captured all of that anywhere yet. Um, Michael Cruz did a nice piece I thought on you a couple weeks ago yeah. that Michelle was quoted in. I did some background <laughs> on it. Um, for Politico, for yeah. Politico, but even then, it's like, I don't think people remember. I wrote a book about it. What's that? Yes, you did. Yep. Called The Party's Over. I managed a book tour for that book. Yes, you did. <laughs> that was that true? <laughs> and you can get it very cheaply now on Amazon if you want. The it's, Party's uh, Over. It's still on our bookshelf. And when Ella was a baby, she used to go grab it and say, Uncle Charlie. And it was really funny because she was a baby on that campaign, tr- on that book tour. Amazing. Isn't yeah. it ironic, though? I mean, yeah. I, we have yeah. an agenda, I mean, but well, isn't that talk, ir- yeah, let's, isn't that an ironic part when with everything that's going on with all these people leaving the party, never trumping? I'm not going to say that you were right, prescient. but you it were was right, prescient. wasn't it? I'll pat myself on yeah, the back. Yeah, you should pat yourself bit. on the back. <laughs> it, it was an amazing ride. So you know, it was almost exactly a year ago today that I became an independent, and Michelle, we were together during that uh, event, and it was it was wild. I mean, I remember the Saturday before we did that, Michelle, I got Joe Lieberman on the phone, uh, who had gone independent, and uh, I had gotten to know him during the McCain campaign. I mean, they vetted me for vice president. For you know, it's it's so weird. It's surreal. It is so surreal. I can still remember you doing the interviews that night when McCain announced his EP pick. Like it's it's crazy. It is crazy. Yeah, but but Senator Lieberman gave me great advice about going independent. He says, you know. If you do it, you will feel so liberated. You won't believe it. And I was on my boat, you know, the golden rule, when I, when I was talking to him. Then it was named Freedom. Though. I was going to say. I say it was Freedom. Yeah, it was, it was Freedom, the original name of my boat. It's just a 25-foot open fisherman trophy boat. But, I mean, the manufacturer, the name is trophy. It's, I wasn't being figurative. But um, 
at any rate, it uh, it was great to talk to him, you know, and have a benefit from his experience of having gone through it himself. Um, and and I just felt so much better. Um, and it really came about because of it, largely because of President Obama and an experience I had with him. Um, you know, so I'm the Republican governor. It's 09. We're in the depths of the Great Recession. Florida is the, you know, I don't know how do you put it, the, the worst place for real estate in America. <laughs> you know, all those weird mortgages that were collapsing through all the big banks. And at any rate, so in February of 09, somebody came into my office in Tallahassee uh, that worked with me uh, and said, the White House has called and invited you to be with President Obama next week in Fort Myers. Do you want to go? And uh, you know, I said, well, what's it all about? And it was about the uh, Recovery Act, the stimulus, if you will. He was got, wanted to hold a rally to try and get it passed. And I said, sure, I'll go. And uh, so they said, are you sure? And I said, why do you ask? They said, well, you know he's a Democrat. <laughs> I'm a Republican at the time, mind you. And I said, he is the President of the United States of America, and he is coming here to help us and give us $12 billion in keep us from having to fire 20,000 teachers, law enforcement officers, firefighters. Um, and so I went down. I'm standing, and there's like a garage area in the Fort Myers Convention Center, or whatever they call it, and in comes the beast, the big black Cadillac with the president in the back, and he's with uh, Robert Wexler, who was in Congress mm. at the time. And I served in the state Senate years before. So the car's rolling in. I'm just standing in front of it, you know. He's and now at Ballard Partners, a trusted lobbying firm. If you are interested in <laughs> Ballard right. Partners or their representation, check out BallardFirm.com. Okay. All right. You're sorry. so funny. Go ahead. And CharlieChris.com. <laughs> <laughs> no. So anyway, the car comes in. Uh, Robert's in the back. The president's in the back. president looks at me like I'm looking at you, Peter, and he goes like that. So I dutifully come to the back door of the uh, Cadillac limousine and uh he opens the door. Robert gets out of the car. The president slides over and he goes, have a seat. So I sit down right next to him, you know, no further than we are, closer, actually. And he goes, uh, just a couple of things before we go hmm. in, Governor. And I said, sure. He said, number one, thanks for coming. He said, you are going to pay a political price for being here today. Oh, I didn't know he said that to you. I, did. I didn't know that. He did. Well, you know, these conversations our, uh, that you podcast. have. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and I said, oh, I don't think so. He goes, no, trust me. You're going to pay a price for this. I said, well, that's okay. I don't mind. And um, he says, but since you did come, would you mind introducing me today? And I said, no, that would be an honor too. Happy to do it. He goes, well, let's keep it simple. And I guess he had been briefed on the logistics of the building. He, he points to these stairs. He goes, see those stairs over there? And I said, yes, sir. He goes, well, just walk up those. That's going to take us right to where the podium's going to be. There'll be like a little plank that'll take you into the podium. You just go to the podium and say what's on your your heart and on your mind about me and about the Recovery Act. But he said, uh, let me warn you, when we go in, it's going to be loud. Yep. I said, you think so? He goes, these are my people. <laughs> That's funny. It's going to be loud. I, you know, He hadn't been out of D.C. since he'd been sworn in. This was his first trip out of Washington. He got sworn in in that January. Hmm. This is you know, mid-February or whatever it was. And um, so he goes, you know, then just give the introduction. I'll come do my thing, and that'll be it. Is that okay? And I said, you're the commander-in-chief, it's fine. <laughs> and um, so we went up the stairs. I went ahead and walked in. It was unbelievably loud. He was right. The place was jumping. 
I went to the podium and gave what I thought was a proper introduction for our president. And I concluded by saying the usual, you know, please give a warm Florida welcome for President Barack Obama. He comes up to the stage, shakes my hand at the podium, and then embraced me. And I hugged him back, like a second, you know? And somebody Like a, a decent human being would do. Indeed, yeah, yeah. Like I just gave you, the yellow wristband, yes. golden rule, do unto others as you would have done unto you. You know who the author of that is? Yes. Christ, at the Sea of Galilee, the Sermon on the Mount. It's really pretty simple stuff. You talked about the Christian school. I respect that a lot. In fact, my last name, my father shortened because my Greek grandfather who immigrated, his name was Adam, and his last name was Christodolus. Now check this out, it gets weirder. In Greek, Christodolus means disciple of Christ. Hmm. My father's mother was an immigrant also from Lebanon. Her name was Mary. Hmm. Her last name, the Lebanese name, was Kori, K-H-O-U-R-Y, which in Lebanese means priest. Hmm. Priest, disciple of Christ. It's a lot to live up to, guys. Yeah. It really is a lot to live up to. <laughs> no, it's, it's great. It's great. And uh, so my dad took the H out of Christ. There was an H in Christodolus because he thought it was a little too much. And, um, and so that's how, you know, Charlie Christ was created. My dad's the original Charlie Christ. We, uh, I'm just junior. <laughs> you know, um, you talk about the hug. And I just want to say, I think a, lo a lot of people don't realize, like I know that staff up in Tallahassee maybe asked you, are you sure? And that you didn't hesitate. But like even on the ground, it was like our contacts down in Sarasota were instantly reaching out and saying, hey, the president's going to come. Is the governor going to send you down? Is he coming? And it just was like not a hesitation. And you sent no. me down early and said, make sure you give his staff whatever support they need because this is his first event. Yeah. They might not have everybody they need. Nobody he, better to send than you. Uh, mm. You're very sweet. I was I'm so terrified. I'm also very honest. I was terrified. But... It was it was a no brainer because that's just how you governed, like, and I think it's important for people to remember that about you because it's it's not like that anymore. But you really did reach across the aisle. You did not care about partisan politics as much as governor. It was no. more about doing what was right for Florida, and right as a leader of the state than versus what was right for the party. And I think that that's kind of a something that gets lost because people can't even really comprehend that these days because it's, we have such the opposite. But it's alive and well right here. All right. So number Still. one, I got to say, yes. uh, if you were, if there was a time when I was working on one of the campaigns and I will say if you, it was kind of a drinking game that if you got an Adam, uh, Krista Opolis, Shout out. Adam Christodoulos. Christodoulos. Christodoulos, excuse me. That's why my dad changed it. it you was, know, nobody could pronounce it. Nobody could spell it. I, I used to know that speech so well because you... you oh, the story about my grandfather. It was, it's a great speech. Go Basically, Peter saying, me. everybody drink. Yeah. yeah. Like, tell but, the story. Well, it's a, it's a story about a boy. Yeah. And, and his name was Adam. And uh, Adam had a dream of coming to America, like so many people around the globe have. You know, we're the shining city on the hill still most powerful, most wealthy country on the face of Earth. In the history of Earth, we're the most wealthy country. It's an amazing place we live in. Shocking. It's good to travel around the globe so you really get an appreciation of Agreed. how special this place is. So anyway, he comes to America. He's 14 years old, this boy. 
And uh, when he came, this was 1912, and he came alone across the Atlantic Ocean at the age of 14. His older brother was supposed to come. My Adam was a sheep herder, and I don't think he was digging it. <laughs> and he wanted a better opportunity for himself and his family, and had heard, you know, the, the old expression was that the streets are paved with gold in America. I remember him telling me that that's what they heard over there. Didn't know if it was true, but figuratively, it is. Um, if you work hard and you live by the rules and you do what's right, um, you can be successful if you're willing to do all that. And he was. So he got to New York, went through Ellis Island, didn't know anybody, didn't have any money after paying the shippage, um, and couldn't speak the language. You know, three strikes. <laughs> hmm. But, you know, he's sitting there, he's starting to cry. Um, he told me that. And um, he thought about committing suicide. He was so distraught. Oh, wow, Isn't that shocking? Yeah. It's yeah. very shocking. It blew my mind. You know, I'm such an upbeat guy, something like that, I can't even comprehend. But that's what he told me. And then he hears this Greek voice speaking. And he looks up. And he said, he called me Alec when I was a kid because my, my nickname as a child was Harley because my older sister Margaret couldn't say the CH. <clears throat> so my grandfather had a very heavy accent, so Arley became Alec to him. So, you know, he said, it was like the sun came out when he started hearing my, I heard my own language. You know, that's why it's so mm. important to Hispanics, you know, to attempt to habla espanol. It shows respect, you know. Un Try poco. their food. Mm. Un poquito. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. true. Yo estudio español dos años en la escuela, and that's about all I got, <laughs> honestly. Yeah, cuatro años para mí. Really? Good you. Wonderful. And I have the word, I butcher <clears throat> every foreign language worse than anybody. So when we travel. I um, have to use my little bit of Spanish like, to help. And they're like, please stop. You're hurting our ears, <clears throat> sir. Well, that's why Ella's in Spanish class. Yeah. She's good. It's incredible, though, how many people around the globe speak English. It really is. Almost everywhere. You know, I found that. But you're right. Representation matters. Especially in it England. <clears throat> That was such a bad joke. <laughs> and Ireland, too. I right. And, that's a, that's a so he heard the language. He heard the language. The man offers him a job. He goes, you have a job? You know, no. Do you want one? Yes. Well, come with me, and um, I'll take it out to Pennsylvania, and you can shine shoes for a living, and I'll give you five bucks a month. A month. So that's how you guys ended up in Altoona? That's how. Wow. Yeah, he got a job offer, right? So he goes to Altoona. He starts shining shoes. He starts, you know, saving his money. He's frugal as I am <laughs> as well. And uh, it eventually opens up a small cafe, like a lot of Greeks or Italians do. And then a, a, a hat cleaning store, like a dry cleaner, but men wore hats then hmm. a lot more. Um, so, I mean, he was doing pretty well. And then World War I breaks out and he joins the United States Army. I, I think he was still 17 at the time, but you know, by the time he got to Belgium, Obviously, he was old enough. He was fighting for America. And um, so he was honorably discharged. War is over. And because he was honorably discharged, he automatically became an American citizen. Oh, wow. Okay. It's like one of the first dreamers ever. Yeah. You know? And uh, so grateful to this country for welcoming him, you know? And later, my, my grandmother, Mary, you know, his, his future wife. How did you all get from Altoona, which is... <clears throat> I believe quarterback capital of the world, right? Isn't that close to it? Yeah, I mean, Marino's from there, and then Joe Namath, Western Pennsylvania. Yeah, okay. It, it's Charlie Crist, yeah, standout yeah. <laughs> walk on. 
I mean, yeah. Yeah, those guys high. are actually good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I've seen you throw. I mean, <clears throat> as I'm t- teaching Ella to uh, like throw a ball. Yeah. It's it's, and I it's not. I, I never really threw a ball. I was a, more of a running back, and I'm just like, it is hard. It, that is not an easy. Um, that's not an years. easy everyday thing years. to throw a spiral. I would throw the ball. This is a true story. <clears throat> My dad played high school football. He actually got a college offer to. Uh, Georgia, but declined. He went to Penn State. And at any rate, so I would pass the football with my father like every night over 100 passes mm. to try to get it right. And when I first realized that I could throw it well, it wasn't until I was like about 15. I started playing when I was only 14, you know. Uh, I was at Riviera Junior High School. They called them junior highs then. And they had ninth grade football at St. High. <clears throat> so that's when I started. That's two alumni of Riviera Middle School. Raiders. It's no longer there, but it's that flattened. Is, it's flattened, weird? but it's on the agenda for appro- for land use approval for a new middle school to be built on its site. That's what somebody told me. It got the re- they did not get a recommendation to proceed, and we got re-agended. Our neighborhood is very much up in arms about it, and hoping that it does get built. So it's crazy that. Nothing is there. I mean, you're talking it's just, about it's a long time. 40 acres in northeast St. Petersburg that has sat there for 10 years. Why'd they tear it down? Does anybody know? It was an old building. And they were having some pretty significant problems at that Was school. it asbestos related or something like that? Maybe? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm you know, not that's, sure. Not to go back to the shore origin story, but I, I, my first thing, well, outside of the Holy Family, uh, winning student council there was we had a terrible... <laughs> Were you in student council at Riviera? Uh, yes. I was uh, president of the student council. Were you? I was vice president. Ella asked me last night, she's like, why did you, uh, why were you vice president? She's like, who would want to be vice president? I'm like, listen, it's really tough, like, to get elected at all. Uh, I was vice president of student body at Florida State. Oh, I'm, I'm well aware. Trust me. I I liked being vice president. I thought it was Yeah, fun. it's better to be in the game and vice president. In the I mean, game than not You're in the game and the, and the heat's off. I mean, <laughs> I'm thinking about all, I mean, do you know how many lobbyists in Tallahassee there are that were like vice president of uh, student council? I think, who was the, um, your lieutenant governor? Jeff Kotkamp? Uh, Shortlist, or oh. Wayne Messam. Yes. Was, um, yes. Uh, in fact, I worked on his campaign with Nick Rossi and Lisa Park. It was, all-star wide receiver He was, uh, for he was the State. vice president at Florida State. Yeah, was yeah. he too? Yeah, he, I'm, 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 yeah, I think he was vice president because it was Parks and... and, and I know nothing him. about Florida State. Right? Sorry. I think he went to, yeah, he went to Florida State, right? Yes, I'm almost positive. Some did, for sure. Yeah, and so he was... It was interesting because... And I think he played one year in the NFL, too. Yeah, I think for Kansas City. That's right. And he got... <clears throat> You know, the old boy network eventually yeah. comes down everywhere. And so it was yeah. very interesting. We had, it was John Daly, who is the mayor of Tallahassee, who got me involved in student government. And then it got passed on to Lisa Park, who um, is, I, I don't remember, but she was definitely Asian American. And Wayne Messam, who was black, we had not had that kind of, it was always Greek guy and Greek girl, Greek girl and Greek guy. So, that much so diversity, was, diversity was breaking yeah, up. Yeah, it broke that. It broke the mold, and it was interesting <clears throat> to see um, see that battle. So, yeah. long story short, um, but go ahead. <laughs> Riviera <laughs> Middle School. We're going through. There. I know we we kind of went on a very roundabout way, but yeah. you know I think we all, it's all basically evolution. He was we asking me about. how we got to. Yes, how did you get from from Altoona? Altoona? That's a great question. So, mom and dad both went to Penn State. Dad um, applied to medical schools, didn't get into any, 
and was going to just go start working at a Burlington factory textile. You know, he, he, he got a master's ultimately in biochemistry. Um, but I, he, he was interviewed at Jefferson Medical School in uh, Philadelphia when he graduated from college before he got his master's. And they told him, you know, your grades are good enough. You, um, you did fine on what, whatever the MedCap was then. But we've got our quota of Southern Europeans already, so mm. you're not going to get in. <laughs> it's a little early discrimination wow. thing. But um, so he got the master's in biochem at Penn State, reapplied. I was born July 24th, 1956. Uh, about two weeks later, he got accepted to Emory Medical School in Atlanta. So As we say, I remember a good school on the wall. Yeah. 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 Right. Right. You have a good memory. So we moved to Atlanta, obviously, and then right before I turned four, uh, in June, when he finished med school, we came here, he did his internship at Bayfront Medical, which was then called Mount Park. Uh, but the reason we came to St. Pete is because my mother's family had been coming here in the winters forever. Mm. Oh, wow. That's what did it. Okay. And, and so mom and dad thought, well, why don't we try and get an internship? So we know we like St. Pete, we've been there, checked it out. Mom, you know, can take the kids to the beach, and Dad has these ridiculous hours of internship that you have. And they're, they're here for, like, a month, and they're looking at each other. We're not leaving. This when is they, great. When was this? 1960. Yeah, this is... A lot smaller. Place. I love telling Michelle, because, you know, she was a Tampa girl, and I'm obviously a St. Pete guy. How'd your like, dad get here? Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, no, but I, I did. <laughs> I think he was one of those people who... You know, I think or so. He lived in St. Louis, and I think it was you come down, you leave St. Louis, you would come down during the season, the, either waiting table or restaurant or cooking, and that was see the season in a restaurant was so much more defined than where it was like after Thanksgiving through Easter, everybody came down to St. Pete Beach because everybody wanted to leave. You know, the, well, the Cardinals. Yeah. I think Did were spring, spring training, training too? too. I wonder. Well, my, that's right. I'm, I'm trying to think. They were here for like 50 years so my with grand, the Mets. What am I thinking? Too. I'm just like totally making up the story that I don't remember. My grandfather was here because oh. uh, Augie Bush or whichever one of the Bushes was here decided when he left, you know, he set up shop across the street from the Don Cesar. There's a Bush family compound that's there. And so he would tell. Because your grandfather was a brewmaster. Yes. For and Anheuser Anheuser Bush. Bush. And so he You're would kidding. tell. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Isn't that kind of cool? And he, so whenever. Here? No, up in St. In Louis. St. Louis. He was in part St. Of, Louis. Yes. And then they There's left yeah. St. Louis yeah. to follow. And like whenever you Mr. retired, Bush. everybody just kind of like came down here. Yeah. That's how my dad, yeah. I'm, trying, I'm trying to think. And so, but he, I'm, I'm pretty sure he left and then. One of my contributors back, so, in yeah. this campaign is Augustus Bush. Oh, really? Yeah. This one? This campaign. This what? campaign. That's oh, what that's he's telling good. you. That's okay. kind of cool. Yeah. It See, is. What a small little world it what is. A, what a small world. The older you get, the smaller it becomes. You know, as you say, St. Petersburg. Like random question. I don't. I can't think of a politician, maybe Dick Greco in Tampa, who's as linked with a city and it's kind of like history now in a way than you are. You know, with St. Petersburg, and yet, like, you weren't mayor of it. You know, it's like right. Um, but like, if you had to ask anybody who's in politics, where Dean Cannon was from, or. Uh, I don't even like Wilton Simpson nowadays. They'd be like, oh, well, you know, blah, blah. but if anybody asks, where was Charlie Chris from? It would be St. Pete. Everybody would know. You can't beat St. Pete. I know, but it's just <laughs> like, it's so, 
You're just so linked. And uh, That's why I moved to St. Pete. I worked for you for so long and stayed in Tampa the whole time. And then I was like, what am I doing? And I moved to St. Pete because yeah. I fell in love with it working for you. It's a great, it's a special place. There's no question about it. I mean, we are the peninsula on the peninsula of Florida, surrounded by, we're almost an island, as almost. is the Sunshine State, almost. I say on my um, on my Twitter profile or yeah. someplace, it's Defender of the Peninsula. And people are like, what do you mean? I'm oh, I love like, that. Um, and oh, sorry. No, I'm I just trying to make sure you're following. You following. Know, we Michelle, could do this all day long. All day long, we could talk about. And we probably will soon. Michelle right, exactly. um, <laughs> is very good when we were doing the podcast previously. She yeah. would have, um, you know, a, a, like she here's the agenda. An agenda. And I would, I would, <laughs> right. look, I wouldn't even fill it in because I'm like, no, I got it in my head. I'm good. Yeah, and then right. you know, so I, you're right. So. Um, Let's get back. This that is was like, really smooth. This that was the opposite of what I was hoping you would do, and I just politely pointed. No, no, no. But your your agendas are very helpful. Okay. They're very helpful. To so me. what's the I next agree. item on it? Yeah. So thank you, <laughs> Governor. So we've been talking about what evolution, like how things have stayed the same, yeah. how things have changed. Right. But you know, <clears throat> I think people are trying to make an issue of the fact that you have evolved over time now. May I? Please do, because I think that I'm happy to. I think that it's, it's important. Yeah, you should share your evolution. Ronald Reagan once famously said when he went from being a Democrat to being a Republican that he didn't leave the Democratic Party, mm -hmm. it left him. And I felt the same way about the Republican Party. I didn't leave it, it left me. And it started with the Tea Party back in 2010 or so, I think. It was so ugly that year. It was awful. It was and, and it's only metastasized yeah. since, in my humble opinion. And, you know, I was mentioning about how President Obama had a lot to do with me changing as well. Uh, you know, initially independent, but then Democratic. Um, and it was the reaction after that photograph in Fort Myers at the podium with him, the hug. Um, but, you know, the reaction I was getting, the negative reaction from my then Republican friends was, you know, why are you working across the aisle with that guy? You know, still pretty upset about his election um, yes. and having defeated John McCain. And um, it, it became apparent to me after a period of time that they weren't just upset with me because I was working with a Democratic president. I was also working with the first black president. And as much as it pains me to say about some former Republicans, there, you know, uh, systemic racism is real in our country. It exists. They don't believe that. Well, and, they're, and they're, they're wrong. <laughs> you know, it does exist. And... And, and I don't want to paint too broad a brush here either, because I, I have a lot of good Republican friends still, still, and, and a lot of decent, good people. And, and I, so I don't want to besmirch the party as a whole. That would be galactically unfair. But I did see that element and how I was raised here in St. Petersburg by my mother and father with my three sisters going to First United Methodist Church and the things I believed in, that, that you treat everybody with respect and decency and kindness, no matter what they look like, no, no matter what language they speak, and no matter where they come from. And I'm like, I can't, I can't stay in this club because this club is not, has left me. You bring up the, you brought up And the, you know, Hillary Clinton did it too. She changed parties. Ronald Reagan changed parties. It's not as unusual as Connie Mack was a Democrat before he was a Republican congressman. and then Bob senator. Martinez yeah. was a Democrat before he was a Republican governor. Not many do it while they're governor. No. <laughs> and maybe that's why there's a little more of a light on it. But I am who I am. And I, I still believe in protecting the environment, supporting public education, 
making sure we have safe communities to raise our families by supporting law enforcement, keeping taxes low. I mean, I don't want to waste your money. I sure as hell can't afford to waste my own. Right. You know. Can we go back, though? I yeah, want to go back yeah. to all right, on the, the hug, because I, I didn't get to ask this question, but it ties into this. You're an upbeat guy. I know what you're going to say here, I think. <clears throat> Any regrets on that? And then, because like I, I put a note here, butterfly effect, and Michelle and I have talked about it. Like, if he doesn't hug you, are you vice president nominee in 2012? Maybe president? I mean, I'm thinking... Like, is are there any regrets from that period, or have, have had you do you just move past those, or how does that how do you reconcile some of that like coulda woulda shoulda of like two thousand nine to eleven? Well, you raised the vice president question. Might have might have been, um, you know, I love John McCain, great man, hero, right? And so I was getting vetted, as you know, Michelle. It was like a, I've never. It, it was an arduous process, let's put it that way. But fine, everything was fine. And, um, you know, it came down to like three of us. I think it was Tim Pawlenty, myself, and ultimately it was Sarah Palin, right? Uh, I, I, but I think McCain actually wanted uh, it to be Lieberman, but it was talked out of it. But if I hadn't had the hug experience in 2009 and was being vetted in 2012, it may have been a more a fait accompli pick because it's Florida. You know, it's Florida. And, uh, but I have no regrets. None. I believe it, that things work out for a reason, that everything happens for a reason. And I have a strong faith in that. I mean, when you, when you look at the journey and the, the twists and turns that happen, it, it's almost amazing. I'm running for governor of Florida again today, and I think have a pretty good shot at being the nominee. And I think a pretty good shot at being the next governor again. So, go ahead. Okay. So, why now? Why <laughs> give up a fairly comfortable congressional seat in your hometown to run for governor? Because I love Florida. I love her with all my heart. And, and I feel terrible. Florida has been traumatized by this governor. I mean, you know, he talks about us being the freest state in America. Well, apparently not if you're a woman and would like the right to choose. Or evidently not if you're a black person and you'd actually like to vote or have two congressional members still representing you uh, after the maps are drawn. He eliminates two black American Floridian members of Congress. Val Demings from her seat, my dear friend Al Lawson from his. And apparently we're not the freest state in America if you happen to be LGBTQ and a kid in school. Or if you're you know, a kid that's standing behind him at a press conference and he dresses you down in front of the world. What was that? I mean, shocking I, to me. That would have never happened under a Governor Chris. I don't yell at kids. I don't think you it would have happened under. It would have happened under anyone, but like Governor Bush, Governor Chris wouldn't have done Governor it. Bush, Governor Scott. I mean, and for people right. say, and I want to say, people saying it was theater that those kids had masks on. I think the theater came from his side because, as a staffer who set up those events. My boss, my principal, if you did not want people behind you with masks on, I would have made sure every mask was removed before you got out on stage. And so if if that had been the marching orders, that would have been taken care of. But instead, he used those children to prove a point. How, and Like I said, everything happens for a reason. Right. Florida was supposed to see that. And thank God Channel 8 got it on film. I think we've got the first real look, Florida did, of his character and his soul. 
is um and yet his approval rating um and you know just to be clear like i'm about a 60 40 critic of desantis like i um there's been some things that i think that he's done well and in retrospect he was right about like <clears throat> like the um not the, the schools clearly should have stayed open um like they now i part of my problem with all of it is we only have so much information at the time and i right. hate the <clears throat> i hate the dunking on new york not only because half my family is from new york but it's and i love the city but it's new york's on the front wave so to say you shouldn't have been hit by that bus when you didn't know a bus was coming it's easy for me to say it if i see a bus coming a mile down the road sure um but then these like i i've i've rolled it out a couple of times I think he was radicalized by the pandemic. I think. Yeah. Uh, he, well, what do you mean radicalized when you say that? I think that the isolation, the isolation of the pandemic. Um, think about your time in office. Yeah. You were out all the time. You were. You were. I mean, you were at Bucks games. You were. Um, always out. Yeah. You were. I mean, we've always said you're a rock star. You go to the Florida State that Fair. Far. And you walk down the street and you always saw people. He didn't get that opportunity. He would maybe get to go to an isolated like football game, uh, but he was not getting the full like uh, experience of being a governor right. of, of the right. of the bill signings of the president coming to town. Like none of that. He wasn't walking into events with thousands of teachers screaming and cheering on their feet and like treating you like a rock star. Where security was afraid of how they were going to get the governor out. That That's was, what you that mean. That was for vetoing Senate Bill Six. Which it is a good story. Crushed him. Good story. Yeah. A good story. Also, another way to highlight your differences with the current governor. I remember we were doing a groundbreaking ceremony for the overpass, the connector between the Leroy Selman Expressway and I four yeah. to help our ports. Right. And a bunch of teachers were there protesting with all their petitions. And on the ground, I was a little concerned because there was protesters. And of <clears> course, <throat> I briefed you as you're arriving, and you. I go to the car and you hop out and you go, let's go right over to them. And you did. And you spent time talking with them and you took all of those petitions and you They're set up follow boss. meetings. They're my boss. Exactly. But that wouldn't happen. Now we have an administration where they're removing members of the press corps from the audience at events that they think won't be favorable. Or they'll only air it on Fox News. Right. As they did the... He called it a voting bill. I call it the anti-democracy bill, <laughs> making it harder to vote. Fortunately, a federal court has thrown that out. What did you do in 2000? And this is, a, I think it was 2012. Did you, or was it 2008? It was 2008. You ordered. Extended the, the hours extend, of early voting. Okay, yeah. You well, want to hear that story? Yeah. Yes, because I think it's important people to know that you've always been on this side. You've always been on the side of extending, making access to voting, or making voting easy. easier. I or, actually support democracy. It's amazing. My opponent is a is an autocrat. I mean, he is. You know, he wants to make the decision for everybody and everything. He talks about parental rights, yet he doesn't respect them. He tells the schools what to do with their kids. It's 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 all ironic and hypocritical. But the, the story about extending hours. Yeah. So, all right, it's closing days of the 08 election. Because uh, just to interject, yeah. there's a lot of black voters new to. Florida, I mean, and other voters will be concerned also, but sure. as you're in a Democratic primary and you've got all these new voters out here, here's the guy who... 
who was a Republican governor. Not only got governor. hugged by Barack Obama, but when the money was on the line. And was a Republican governor with one of the highest approval <laughs> ratings of any governor in America and a Democrat. Yes, 73% approval rating. It was insane. It was weird. And Barack Obama <laughs> is on the ballot. Yeah. And we have long, unprecedentedly long voting lines. And everybody is telling you to shut it down because it would be better for the Republican. What did you do, Governor? Dan Gelber, then a state senator, called me. And he says, Governor, are you seeing these lines on your TV in Tallahassee? Because it's all over the state. And I said, yeah, I am. He goes, well, why don't you do something about it? I said, what can I do? You know, I, I really didn't know. And you guys I, weren't friends. At the, I mean, you guys were on the opposite side at that point. Oh, yeah. Were, yeah. He was I mean, a Democrat. I'm, I'm the Republican governor. Right. And and so I said, he goes, I think you could sign an executive order extending the hours of early voting. I said, do I unilaterally as governor have that authority? <laughs> he goes, I don't know. But you got a general counsel. You know, why don't you ask him and see what he says? So I called the general counsel down because I thought it was a great idea. So everybody could vote. What a notion. <laughs> it's crazy. In a democracy. So anyway, um, general counsel comes into my office, and I shared with him what uh, Senator Gel- then Senator Gelber had proposed, now a Miami Beach mayor. And I said, you know, can I do that? Do I have that kind of authority to sign an executive order to extend the hours statewide to vote? And he goes, I don't think you do. And I said, well, why? He said, because in order to sign an executive order, there's got to be an emergency, mm. you know, like a hurricane or something. And I said, well, wait a minute. Let's talk it through. I'm a lawyer, too. <laughs> In fact, I was your attorney general before I showed up here. <laughs> and I said to him, I said, we're a democracy, right? And he said, yes, sir, that's right. And people are not being able to cast their ballot in our state. I said, that is an emergency. Please go draft the order and I will sign it. I signed it a half hour later. By that evening, all 67 counties in Florida extended their hours of early voting. And and I had then Republicans Really miffed at me. I th- I think this incident is so much more, <clears throat> to be quite frank about it. Like, so there's some stuff that we can say is opportunistic or whatever, or that you're, if you go back into the, like, go back, it's great for you to tout in a Democratic primary that you were the one hugging, uh, that got a hug from Obama. But at that point, when you made this ruling in November of 2008, there was zero incentive for you to make this ruling there yeah. is there's no there's no reason not only would this not be done now there's no way that greg abbott is extending voting hours in texas uh because there's long lines in black precincts right zero incentive at this point in 08 for you to for you to do this clearly politically right correct. so i did it obama ended up winning and i get uh you know, these comments from former Republican friends. Why would you do that? Why Why would you do that? And I said, it's simple. It's not right versus left for me. It's right versus wrong. It is right for a governor, a public servant, to strive to make sure as many people who want to vote, vote and have that opportunity. And I said, also, it's because of God. I took an oath when I took this office. And I did not swear to be the governor for the Republicans of Florida. I was sworn in to be the governor of the people of Florida. And I swore that to my savior. And I am going to honor it no matter what. If it's good for me, bad for me politically, as I said before, it wasn't right versus left for me. 
or R versus D. It was right versus wrong. It is right to allow all Floridians the opportunity to vote and exercise our precious democracy. We're going to let you get back on to the campaign trail. Um, we'll ask you one last question, I think, and then close up. Talia Shire in uh, Rocky Four. Yeah. He's about to fight <clears throat> Ivan Drago, and her and Rocky have the, 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 the confrontation. And she's like, you can't win. And, you know, you read Politico, et cetera. You read these stories, and everybody wants to tell you, this guy's unstoppable. He's uh, Ivan Drago over there. You know, I mean, he is just... Um, he's got all the money and he's got the poll numbers. He's Goliath. So how do you win? How do you win? I'm David. That's how. I mean, you know, you just work hard every day. You believe in your faith. You know that there's good versus bad and good wins. I'm going to win. I'm going to win. Floridians are too good. What do you tell the national Democratic donors who are currently sitting on the sidelines to get them to engage in this race because that's what we're going to need to do. That's what you're going to need to help you defeat DeSantis and his war chest. No question. Well, I tell them what I tell Floridians. He cares more about the White House than he does your house if you're a Floridian. Doesn't care about it. I mean, he's only called this special session because he got pressure. But what do I tell them nationwide? All right, you know how bad this guy is. You know what he's done to women's rights. You know what he's done to LGBTQ. You know what he's done to Walt Disney World. I mean, it's a nightmare down here. And you want to stop this nightmare. It's a lot cheaper to do it in 22 than it is in 24. And they're like, where do I send the check? Well, before we let you go, it's a really important question. How do you grade the Buccaneers draft? I thought it was great. Me too. I do. I really do. No, I, well, I am the eternal optimist, and so is Michelle. But I do. I, you know, this leadership at this team, the ownership, the management, the coaching, the players, that, you know, Tom Brady, God bless him, unretired. I met him at the White House when President Biden had him up because they had won the Super Bowl. What a down-to-earth guy. What a good, decent human being. I was very impressed. Coach think, Arians, too. He was he was cool. Do you think Gronkowski comes back? Oh, for yeah, one more year? of course. Of course he does. <laughs> I'm with you. I think he comes back for one That's more a year, too. I don't know who you're a bigger fan of, Governor Christ or the Tampa Bay Bucks. Uh, I, I don't know which one. Peter doesn't follow the draft, so he's kind of. She knows so we much We got a great sports. running back from Arizona State. We, we did. We, we got a massive offensive lineman because a couple of the guys, uh, one retired early, right? Yes. For us. Kappa. I think it was a great draft. Great. I think it was a great draft too. I think the cornerback we drafted is going to be the steal of the draft. Yeah. So. Where I, was he? Where was he from? You remember? No, I don't. I'm sorry. She. I'm sure she's got some notes. She's got her board at home. Where Quite honestly, makes... my brain still is fuzzy. On I have a really hard time with names. Yeah, hey, I got a bucket of plate on my car. Do you really? Yeah. Oh yeah. I remember when I met you. Yeah. Do you remember? So I met you. I met you for the first time in '93. You came to our high school and talked there before I, I went and paged for Governor Christ when I saw his Cadillac because I mean, it was a nice Cadillac, but it was, uh, it was an El Dorado. It was awesome. It's, it was, I wish it we was had cool. that car now. I would buy that car. It was a great dr- car. It's a great car. Of course, I bought it used. I mean, I it, know, was, it paid cash. Yeah. I, I mean, it had 
state of the arts. Do you remember that? I do. That's that a was, license plate I sponsored. That was a cool. Oh, was it? I didn't remember that you were as the a young state okay. senator. Yeah. That was a uh, mm-hmm. a cool license plate too. Well, the arts are important. Look at St. Pete. We yeah. In, you know, it, I said look you can't at the beat studio we're sitting in right now. How cool is this? Tell your story. Well, this we is, we are. You would never. I mean, with you think Sean, about ten man. years ago, twenty years ago. Yeah. This was the the buildings around here were ALFs. Yeah. They were halfway houses. Yeah. They were abandoned. This was hot. I tell Michelle when I was growing up, you Central Avenue was one of the most was perceived to be one of the most dangerous streets in St. Petersburg because it was because it was. And <laughs> it so was. It's amazing to see this. All oh, right. this place is Let's on fire. Get out here. It's great. Thank you very much. And the much. name was named for who? What Peter? This is appropriate to you. It was named for the. It was the uh, flipping of the coin. Uh, St. Petersburg. Um, the mayor yeah. of St. Petersburg. The Russian guy. Russian guy. Then the flight they were going to take or something like that. But anyway, so they named it after St. Petersburg, Russia, because the, the one guy was from Detroit. The, the other, other guy from was from St. Petersburg, Russia. Fl- I thought they flipped he a won. coin, didn't he? They did. They did. Okay, yeah. Yeah. But St. Petersburg, Russia is named after who? Peter. The great first pope, right? right? Or is it, it, or is Peter, it Peter? Peter was like the first Peter the great, disciple. Right? The disciple. It's not Peter the Great, though. Like, isn't there? An evil I'm betting on. Not named Peter, so like, we, I know what I know. This yeah. you should know. This. I guess I got. I'm. You know what? I'm not doing a lot of pro-Russian content lately. So <laughs> that's true. And here's my Ukrainian tie. Nice. Oh, look nice. at that! It I is. just got this a few weeks ago. It's bright yellow and, and oh, wait, blue. Oh wait, the colors. Wait, Charlie's colors are very. Same. I like the classic. Like, no, I know you do. I like Chris. Yeah, I'm always yeah, I know you do. Complaining. I know. We are all, we we do always complain every time. A yeah, logo what is he doing? Why well, I'll, I'll show you uh, when we're off the air. A little of the thought behind that. Okay. All right. But it's been great to be with you. Thank you so much. Thank you for being with us. I love you us. guys. You're the we best. We love you too. Thank you for uh, spending the afternoon with us. My um, honor. We will um, we'll break for a few moments. So I thought that interview was. Um, I, I wrote down several places where I thought he was insightful. I think he was. I think he was clearly taking the opportunity to say some things that he hadn't said before. Um, I think he is. He is definitely in fighting shape, not physically, or uh, I'm not. I'm not referring to physical, but like he is definitely um, sharper than I've seen him um, in a couple of years. Like he is sharper and more aware of. The challenge in front of him than he was in 2014, um, just more worldly. In fact, you know, just more. I mean, the antidotes are always going to be there. The speaking style is great. We we got all that, but there is, there is a uh, oh, there is there's an edge, an edge to it. Yeah, that's a great point. That hasn't been there before. There is an edge. There is, a, and we're not going to get into the private conversations, but like, you can just see that he is pissed off. Not only he's just pissed off about this person and how they are treating Florida. He is. And he, it has always been about Florida for him. And I know that people have a hard time believing that, but I mean, it, the one thing you can take away from this interview for sure is the familiarity we all have and like how many battles we've all gone into together and how bucking the trend and doing what's right for Florida has always been a part of the Charlie Chris DNA. And that's why I brought up 2008. Like I, because I, some of the other stuff people are going to say, well, that was that was easier to do, but that was actually a hard decision for him to make. Um, and so it, it was, and except for it also made sense that he made that decision. When you think about, he was the governor who championed the restoration of voting rights for convicted felons, and 
but it's, made it's, that happen. There's a there's a lot that he, you know part of part of his challenge is going to be it's not just that Ron DeSantis has a hundred million dollars it's that or he will have 150 by then it's that there is a lot of he was chain gang Charlie now he's over here there yes, is the, there is that and that's going to be it's it's not just negative attacks it's you just hit I mean there's you hit Charlie with legitimate criticisms you know that he is that because people. No matter what they say about evolving politicians, you can still hit them with the flip-flop um, item. I wanted to ask you something uh, before we get to close it up. You know we're going to get filleted for this, by the way, just by how do you how do how do you suggest I deal with it? Oh, we're going to get filleted for doing something so nice. Oh. Or you think that a certain someone's going to be tweeting all sorts of oh, attacks? I, I'm sure that there's going to be that this is cringeworthy and whatnot, and that. Um, uh, the thing is, is I think it's expected. People have, I, I think people have been surprised that we haven't done this sooner with him. Okay. And it's not like this is a story on your site that, or in the magazine. This is our podcast. I've always been really firm where I am. Okay. And I'm, I mean, I'm known as that person. Okay. And so I, I don't think it should be shocking to anyone. But if people fillet you for it, I think you just stand in your truth and say, you know, my wife made me do it. <laughs> no, I, I also, you know, with the reality that Charlie probably has uh, has less than a majority chance of winning, I would say, um, there's nothing bad about this campaign. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's no like, he's not backed by the wrong people. He's not doing it for the wrong reasons. He's not saying mean things. Like, this is a good person running a good positive campaign who we know as a friend. And so if he was running for circuit court judge, if he was running for, you know, dog catcher, he would deserve our friendship and support, our support and friendship. And so like, I, I, you know, when I was in the hospital dying, one person in this race called to check in on you and called to check in on me. Sure. And that's the guy we had here. Well, actually two people did. Quite honestly. I mean, oh, I, I will give uh, Nikki Freed credit that she did. Right. I, I, <laughs> well, I know. I'm, I don't want to. I don't want to. She under- didn't call me. So I said us. Oh, OK. All right. Uh, to, yeah. to be clear. And so like it, it shouldn't be surprising. But yes, Nikki Freed is a great person, is a kind person. And yes. I know that she was standing by and also willing to help. I'm just saying I was talking more from like the blowback from DeSantis. World. I get it. I get it. Um, And it's like, and I think I've handled, and I'm going to say this on like declarative on this podcast. I have handled the DeSantis Charlie thing. I think as well as anybody can. Like I know for the entire 12 years we have been together, you have had to straddle this line of being impartial and doing your job and not pissing off your wife. And even before we got together, you didn't care. You just blew up my campaigns. It's the the Charlie Chris thing has been an issue for you for a while and you try your best and you get accused of, from both sides yeah. of not doing what you should be doing and there's no way you can win. So what are you going to do? What are you going to do? I'm going to help out my friend and I'm going to let him sit here and tell a story. Well, and here's and I I hope that it comes through. I like Charlie. Like it's I mean it's not just like Charlie's likable. That's a difference. Like Charlie is a good family person. He is somebody that goes and has dinner with his, his, uh, with his mom and his dad. I think it's. I think people undersell the fact. If you are the younger brother of three older sisters, you're not going to be an. A- or not, they're not older. Not sisters. older. Excuse me. Stop they're, it. They're not going to be. 
they're not, he's not going to be an asshole. Like, you, you know, if you pulled that as a, if you were that kid, you were, you'd get, you'd get kind of, you know, your, your sisters would keep you in line and your parents would keep you in line. And so I just, you can tell, you can tell who's raised right. And you can just tell, I mean, manners and all that stuff. And, and all of these things, it's like. Well, it's like things that people don't know when we were recording the interview with him. I got hot. He noticed it. I didn't say a word. He got up out of his seat and brought his fan over to me. That's just manners. It's just proper upbringing. And for people who want to give you a hard time, I would also remind them of the edition of Influence magazine that Governor DeSantis and his wife are on the cover of. So you have given equal and fair play time. You have been complimentary of Governor DeSantis when he deserves it, and you've been critical when he deserves it. And if Governor DeSantis wants to come on this podcast, I welcome it. I would love to have, uh, like, and people, some of the new DeSantis people forget that I was the one, I was probably the only pundit that was, that predicted him to beat DeSantis, that we had the first poll. Not beat DeSantis. I beat, um. McCollum. um, No, 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 not McCollum. God, what rate? Putnam. Uh, Putnam. Um, and so it's like. Sorry, they blur together. And uh, quite honestly, before this turn, and I, we can save this for another podcast, Ron DeSantis was very much a Pinellas guy. Like the idea of being a Republican with strong environmental cre- credentials, that was the Charlie Pr- Crist model that they got from Bill Young and Don Kramer and so forth. That's the model. That's uh, the, like Charlie Don- Crist's camp- first campaign when he was in school was to clean up the bay. So last question, because we got to go. How are you feeling? I'm feeling good. I mean, it's. You know, it's really now I, I feel completely normal. It's just about getting my strength back. I'm almost back workout wise where I was before I got sick. I'm uh, able to I'm almost completely crushing it on the Peloton again. And now it's just taking control of the residual changes to my body. Um, I think more than anything, I uh, have been trying to live life right now with a my new lease on life, I've been trying to take advantage of it and not waste my second chance. So we are saying yes to a lot of things, right, babe? We are traveling a little bit more, uh, which is saying something for us. But it's like it is – I keep telling everybody it's YOLO, right? I mean it is literally like um, we saw that and it's like – and it's not like elaborate things even. It's just like can we get up to New York City for four days? Yes. let's. I mean there's a flight. Why – why invest in one more thing when well, it's like, like that when there's experience. a play on Broadway that you want to see and it's a limited run in the past I might have been like oh that stinks I'm not gonna be able to go see it but now it's I and between the pandemic and my illness it's I'm not going to let any opportunities pass me by and quite honestly it's about imprinting as many memories in Ella's brain as I can and so yeah I might push you to travel a little more and we might do more things and we might carve out more dates well, let's uh, – if we don't do another pod between now and this next thing, although I hope we will, um, we should alert our Memorial Day friends that we're uh, – that we get gather with that we are bringing back the, the – happy hour pod. The happy hour uh, pod with Jim Rimes and Stephanie Smith. the hotel Smith lobby bar. The hotel else. name not to be disclosed. Right. Uh, all those people because that was a great – kind of sloppy but a great uh, listen. So if you don't hear from us again before then and now – We'll have that one, but let's see who we can uh, get. In. Wait, will people back out of that trip because of this podcast episode? No, no, no. Just no, kidding. No, no. <laughs> All right, this was he said. She said. <laughs>